Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media, where I'll include their links in the show notes. Happy New Year, everybody. I I just sat down to record. It's January the 1st, 2022. (sighs) I want to ask you a simple question before we get started. And the question is this. What's your excuse? And I want you to think about that. And I want you to think about what your excuse is going to be. After you've made all these bullshit resolutions, after you've promised yourself change and you promised yourself all these things that you've told yourself. And whenever it ends and whenever it stops because you don't push through it and you don't fulfill those promises that you've made to yourself and you don't achieve those goals that you set. I want you to ask yourself, what's your excuse going to be? Is it going to be the same old, well, time got in the way, life got in the way, marriage got in the way, kids got in the way, the job got in the way. Is it going to be all that? So go ahead and get your excuses. Write them out on paper today. Write your excuses out on why you can't achieve your goals Because when that time comes, when you look back next year, you're going to be making the same resolutions on New Year's of next year. And I want you to look at those excuses because it's the same thing every single year. I see people and I hear people make resolutions every year and nobody very seldom, like probably 1% of people that make resolutions actually go through with it. And they get burned out on it because you know what? Change is hard. Change is very hard. And what's very easy is staying And being the same person we've always been and staying in that same mindset. See, in order to actually change yourself and to change your life, you have to do a major overhaul of everything. It doesn't happen overnight. And that's the problem. We we get so caught up in instant results. We want these instant results that when we don't have those instant results, we quit and we just shut it down. You know, we, we fight for a little bit today. We fight for a little bit tomorrow. And after a while we realize, man, we're not seeing the results I want to see. And then we just quit. And then we bow out. And before you know it, lo and behold, we're the same old fucking person we've always been. And that's why we don't change. Because change is absolutely hard. I'm working on some change now. I don't, I don't make New Year's resolutions. Personally, I think it's all bullshit. I don't even celebrate New Year's. I'm, I'm one of those people that I think it's just another day on the calendar. And, uh, I just, I don't say, well, I'm going to start something on new year's and this, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like setting, um, giving myself, um, delayed onset of when I want to start something. If I want to start something, I start it right fucking now. If it's July the 8th or if it's August the 1st 
or if it's May 12th, whatever the date is, if I decide I want to be a better person and I start recognizing faults within myself and I see room for improvement, I don't put it off. I don't depend on a day on a fucking calendar to tell me when I should start something. I think people that do that are lazy sometimes. I'm not calling everybody lazy, but I think that, that what they're doing is they know that they need to change, but they don't want to do the work. So they're setting some bullshit goal and some bullshit timeline that they think that they'll be able to start that. Well, honestly, if you don't have the discipline to better yourself right fucking now, every second of the day, every minute of the day, when you know that you're failing yourself, you're never going to be able to do that. I've recognized something within myself lately, and I know that that I'd have to do a major overhaul. And this is something that I'm not just saying this because it's January the 1st. Like this has been coming for years and years and years. It's um, it's my back, and you've heard me talk about my back on here before. But my back has gotten so bad now that that it's 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 completely almost immobilized me, and I and something has to be done. When I talked with the doctors years ago, they told me I was too young, and they said you don't want to do surgery right now. And honestly, I'm glad I didn't because surgery has advanced um, ten times over since when I first went in to look at getting an overhaul on my back. Right now, as it sits, I have three herniated discs, I have bone spurs, and I have arthritis in my low back. And uh, not complaining by any means, but it is what it is. But it's time for it's time to fucking fix it because here's what happened. Um, normally, I can tolerate it. Well, two months ago, I aggravated it out here on my farm doing some heavy lifting with my back and legs. And I knew it when I did it. I was like, son of a bitch. Well, the pain hasn't went away. It's only gotten worse. So I think I really... Um, either inflamed or, or I might have even blew another disc and it may have herniated another disc. So I may be up to four now, but here's what happened. Two days ago, I was walking down the driveway with my daughter, Poppy, to the end of my driveway on the farm. It's 900 feet from my front porch to my gate. So almost a thousand feet. And I couldn't make it to the gate. And I'm 43 years old. I've, I've always been in you know peak physical shape. I've always been Superman. In, in my own mind, you know, I've always been able to do anything and I always wanted my children to see me be able to do anything. And that's changed and it's changed very suddenly for me. So we, 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 we hobbled down to the gate and on the way back, I literally could not take another step. I had to like go down on my knees and just bend over into a ball for a little bit. And I was trying to hide the damn tears that were about to be coming out of my eyes. And Poppy goes, daddy, that's all right. We can just watch the sunset from right here because that's what we were doing. I always go out at sunset. I walk down. I shut my gate. I, I, I like walk back to the house. I lean on the fence and I watch that pretty sky turn pink and and gold and orange and blue and all these different colors. Because I always tell people, look, man, you don't know how many sunrises and sunsets you can, you're going to get in life. So take advantage of them. Don't don't just let them pass you by. And I make it a point every day to walk out and watch that sun come up and come down. So anyway. I'm laying there in the grass, I'm in a ball, and me and Poppy are laying there watching the sunset, and I had this I have this memory that'll never go away, it'll never leave me. And it was a beautiful thing, but I realized I was like, dude, you can't keep putting this off anymore. Like, you gotta change this. And so that's what I'm doing is I uh I'll tell you the first steps is I got a uh, thirty two pounds of ice. And I was like, fuck, I gotta take an ice bath. I've never done an ice bath in my life. I've never done a polar bear plunge, anything like that. I don't like cold weather. I'm a, I'm a tropical people. I'm a southern boy. I grew up in the deep south. I didn't grow up in Tennessee where they actually shit gets cold. I didn't grow up in Kentucky, North Carolina where it gets cold. I grew up in South Carolina, the most southern tip of South Carolina where 
a cold winter day might be 35 degrees and then tomorrow it's going to be 80 fucking two. So that's the, the winters I was accustomed to. So dig this. Yeah, I said dig this. I went back 70s on you. Um, so last night I get this um, wild idea. I'm like, all right, I got to start doing ice baths. And because uh, I've been reading up on it and how, how good it is for you know arthritis and inflammatory problems. So I dump 32 pounds of ice in the fucking tub. And then I get in it. And I, I'm not somebody that eases in. I'm just like, fuck it, I'm going. And I go. And people, when I tell you my dingling disappeared, like I looked like an unborn baby boy. It went away. It scared me. I looked down and it was gone. And I mean, they say the turtle is in the shell. I mean, I think the turtle died in the shell and, and, and decomposed and it was just completely hollow. It was just a shell. There was no turtle. I actually got nervous that I just converted into the next Bruce Jenner. I was like, oh shit. I did, I, it was so far gone. I didn't know if it was coming back. That's how cold it was. And then when I got out and I had to thaw out, I had to watch the growth process, but that's beside the point. But listen, if you've never done an ice bath, forget the cold. All right. When I got out of there, my pain was gone for the rest of the night. And I don't know if it's because I was just completely frozen, but even after I thawed out, I slept better than I've slept. I slept pain free. See, I wake up with pain a lot and I have to hobble to the bathroom and hold the walls and all that. Like, and it's, it's pretty bad. And, uh, I don't ever show that on my social media, but it gets pretty bad at times. But that was gone and I felt young again. So now I think I'm addicted. I'm going to get more ice today and I'm going to, I'm going to start doing these ice baths. Um, but I realized I need a major overhaul in what I'm doing in life. See, I'm not the same old Superman that I thought I once was. I don't need to be doing the same old dumb shit that I used to do. The 43 year old me cannot keep up with the 23 year old me. I realized like, Hey, I got to start listening to my body now. And that's part of mental health as well, right? The problem is we don't want to address that we have a problem. We don't want to feel weak. We don't want to think lesser of, of ourselves. Like we can't handle something. And that's what I'm trying to tell you now is the old me, I, I just refuse to listen to my body. I would just keep going and going and I made things worse. And if we're not doing that, with our mental health, the same thing happens. You're just going to break down over time and destroy yourself. So you got to step back, focus on yourself, focus on what really needs to change and fucking change it. You know, I looked at my daughter last night and I, and I promised her, I said, dad, look, daddy's going to do everything in his power to be able to be better for everybody here. And I'm not going to hobble around this fucking property, this porch. I'm not going to wake up in the middle of the night to hold walls when I got to go pee you know what I mean? I, I'm going. I'm going to do the uncomfortable shit, and if that means going under the knife, if that means getting in a cold ass ice bath, so I can have gender questions about myself every day, that's what I'm going to do. And it's not comfortable. And the same thing with mental health. It's not comfortable, man. It's fucking hard, and sometimes it's painful. But what do you want? Do you want the same old result day in and day out? Or do you want to change it? 
it bothers me when I hear people say, oh, my New Year's resolutions. And then I'm like, when are you going to have a New Year re- uh, realization that you're not going to change anything? You're going to be the same fucking person if you don't absolutely commit your lifestyle to that change. And that means you have to rid yourself of any and every toxic excuse that you can possibly rid yourself of. Smokers like, I'm going to quit smoking, but they still hang around fucking smokers. You know how hard that is? You're setting yourself up for failure. Drinkers, I'm going to quit drinking, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still hang out with the boys and I'm going I'm to I'm fucking go. No, you're not. You're going to fucking eventually succumb to that too. And that's what I'm saying. You're going to become your environment. We are the environment. We are. We become our environments. I my words get all shit up on here. I was out in the pasture the other day. We're painting the fences out here, and I have my whole family out there. And I was just sun was sun was shining down, and everybody's having a good time, laughing and shit. And I was just smiling, and I was just in a goofy place because I was like, "Man, this is a memory. Nobody else may may ever remember this, but I will." And it made me think, and I was like. Because you know I'm a deep thinker. I took a picture of, of every, my girls take you know painting the posts and their fence and all that. And I go, you know, everything in life can be taken from you at any minute. They can take someone could take your life. People could take your home. Man, you could pay your home off and own your home, own your own home. And a lot of people don't even know they can still take it. HOAs can foreclose on your home. Um, the tax, the county tax assessors, they can foreclose on your home even if you own your home. Same with your vehicles. I mean, it's crazy. The shit, everything that you own that somebody can take or some government entity can take. But you know the one thing nobody or anything can ever take from you? And that's your memories, unless you catch dementia. But think about that. We can make all of these memories. And no matter what, nobody will ever be able to take those away from you. And as I was sitting there, I was just taking all these snapshots in my head. And I was like, man, these are... These are great images that I'm, I'm going to have for life. And every time I look at this fence, I'm looking, I record now is uh, my office now is looking down my driveway at that painted fence. And that's what I have. That memory is of us standing there painting that fence. And it's a beautiful thing. So I encourage you, if you're not making memories, go out and make them, man. Make as many as you can because nobody can take those from you. You'll thank me later. Your 70-year-old self will thank me. I got a message the um, the other night. I was sitting there and I'm watching Netflix or something, and my phone goes off, and it's a uh, it's a it's a brother firefighter, and he uh, he messaged me and said that his friend, who's a firefighter, just killed himself, and all and and you know I sent my condolences. I didn't know the guy that killed himself, but it, uh, I know the guy who's who was messaging me, and he asked me a question. And he said, when's this going to stop? And I was honest. I was like, it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop because I'm going to tell you my honest opinion. This is going to ruffle a lot of fucking feathers right here. It's not going to stop until we start having the most brutally honest and offensive and realistic conversations about this shit that people can have. It's not going to stop because we we bring somebody into our department to talk about statistics. It's not going to stop because we bring somebody in there to to possibly teach us 
about why the brain does what it does when we're exposed to what it does. Oh, look, all of that is smoke and fucking mirrors, and that's a check in the box. I don't, I don't like calling out names, but I know there are people out there teaching this stuff who have no fucking business teaching it. And that's going to be in any profession. Shit, you got school teachers that have no, no business teaching, teaching school children. You have mechanics who have no business working on cars. So this isn't me singling anybody out. I just happen to work in this industry and I see a lot of the bullshit that goes on. And I see people that they go on the internet, they find all the fucking research that they can find. They compile that research and they put it into this wonderful slide presentation and they sell it. They package it and sell it because they're good at selling. And it fucking irks me because first responders when they're going to sit into it in a class and they want to listen to somebody, first of all, it's hard to get first responders to talk about mental health anyway. So when you drag them into a boring ass fucking presentation where somebody doesn't have the juice to back up what the fuck they're talking about for one, somebody doesn't have the experience. Somebody who has not lived that shit is standing up there teaching a bunch of people who have fucking been through hell and back who live this nightmare day in and day out. And you have someone up there, trying to teach them all the rights and all the fucking wrongs about this, there's no connection. There's no connection at all. And when those first responders leave that class, you know what they leave? They leave fucking jaded and they leave disappointed. And the next time somebody with some real juice comes around to actually hopefully educate these folks and talk this, talk about this stuff, you know what happens? They lose their motivation. They don't want to go sit through another, oh, fuck, we got to go sit through another fucking class. And I've heard that time and time and time again. When I was when I first started um, doing post-traumatic purpose, the course that I do, I had, I had talks with a lot of people in the business. I actually sat in on courses. I sat in on classes. I watched what some of these mental health people were doing. There's a lot of people doing good, first of all, let me say that, all right? But what I then want to start doing is I started asking actual chiefs in the business that I know. I started asking line officers that I know. I started asking probationary firefighters from the ground up, engineers, firefighters, lieutenants, captains, battalion chiefs, head chiefs, division chiefs, training chiefs. I started having conversations around the country with people that I knew. And I'm like, look, what, are you, what kind of mental health training are you guys getting? And almost every single one of them was same old bullshit mental health training we've always gotten, if we've gotten any. And I, and I was like, what do you mean by that? And they're like, either we get thrown some pamphlets, we get taught about some fucking color chart about how our mood is today, or we have somebody come in and bore us to death with PowerPoint. And that's exactly what I heard from everybody. Not verbatim every single time, but in a roundabout way, that's exactly what I heard. And when I sat down and I thought about this stuff, because I knew, I knew I really wanted to talk about mental health and I wanted to do it differently. I was like, what the fuck can I do to help these people who were not getting what they need? And I was like, you know what? I think people are trying too hard and I think they're making it too fucking difficult. And that's why I decided, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go in there and talk about the realness of this. And as I started doing that, you see the light bulbs come on with people. And like I told you guys a long time ago, I'm hoping to one day 
not have to do this anymore. I would like to work myself out of this shit because I'm tired of getting those text messages. What do we got to do to make this stop? What's it going to take? I'm telling you right now what it's going to take. It's going to take each and every one of you who are hearing this, who have experience battling mental health, who has experience ruining your family, ruining your finances, becoming dependent on drugs and alcohol, ruining your career, or damn near doing it. It's going to take all of you to start standing up and talking about it and stop bearing it and stop hiding it and stop running from it. And when more of you can do that, you'd be surprised at the lives that you're going to start touching just in your department alone. And it's going to take real conversations. So these chiefs of these departments stop hiring these fucking fools that are coming around because they got this great presentation that they got off of the fucking internet and they got this great sales pitch. Hey, we can come in and talk to your department about mental wellness and mental health. And then we can, we can really fucking make a dent in this thing when all you're doing is driving those fucking people crazy from sitting in them stupid ass classes that you're doing. You got to stop this shit. This isn't like any other training we've had. This isn't ladder operations. This isn't hose evolutions. This isn't close quarters combat for cops. This is, I, I, let me tell you something. The most, how do I even say it? I know how to say it. Say it like this. The most overlooked training that we have is mental wellness. Okay. Most police officers are not going to be involved in shootouts. There's a good possibility, but most of them are not going to be in a shootout in their career. Most firefighters, most are not going to be attacking vicious ass fires day in and day out, 24 hours a day, fucking every third shift that they come in. It's not going to be like that. You may be in busy companies. You may be in a busy city. You may be get your share of shit, but it's not going to be 24 seven around the clock. Okay. You know what is going to be 24 seven around the clock? Your fucking mental health. You don't get to clock out ever. You don't get to take a day off from it. So we have to train on it. They train you for every fucking scenario possible in the fire department, in the police department. Well, this happened because of this. So now we need to do this and we adjust our training to accommodate whatever situation happened in the past. Well, what are we not looking at? You want to hear one of the hardest things I talk about in my class right here. This is one of them. We lose more people to suicide in the emergency services than we do in the line of duty. Okay. And we don't even train on it. We don't even talk about it. And if we do train on it, if we do talk about it, it's the most minimally thing trained on and the minimally thing talked about. Think about that for a second. Let that soak in. Firefighters, listen up. Cops, listen up. Paramedics, dispatchers, listen up. As a firefighter, your hose is not going to fail you when you're off duty on your two days off. Okay. So you don't have to worry about that hose until you come back to duty as a police officer. That weapon 
is not going to fail you on your day off if it's up in a closet, it's put off, and you're not working some off-duty job, right? That uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu you've been training on, chances are you're not going to be in a deadly force situation off-duty, police. Dispatchers, hopefully you're not going to be receiving emergency calls on your off days at home. So when your phone rings at home, it's not going to be something that could potentially set you the fuck off. Hopefully paramedics, you're going to get a day off and you're not going to have to worry about pushing the wrong kind of drugs in a patient or should I've intubated at this time? Did I do it too late? Whatever your day off's your day off, right? Your day off is to reflect on all the shit you did in the past. So chances are you're going to be safe. But you know what that day off is? That day off, you don't get to take a mental health day off. That day off is fucking dangerous. Those days off that we get, I don't know if you know this, majority of suicides are on our days off. Majority. Our days off are the most dangerous fucking time in our profession. And we don't even train on it. We don't talk about it. We don't think about it. We just go take that day off and we look forward to that day off, not realizing what we're really possibly looking forward to. And that's the scariest fucking thing that day off. That's the day off when we get to go home and ruin our families. That day off is the day off that we get to go home and click the fuck off safe on our friends and go off on people that we love and that we care about and ruin and work is our safe place from all of that. If we just so happen to get injured in the line of duty, it is what it is. Think about that. Our day off is the most deadly and dangerous time for us. And they don't train you for that. That's up to you to figure out. They don't train you for when we wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning or you come home like I did drunk dry, after drunk driving all night trying to fucking wrap yourself around a tree but you didn't have the balls to do it. So you go home and you load your fucking weapon up and stick it in your mouth to go to pull the fucking trigger. They don't train you for that moment. When you're crying on the phone with your mother, you're telling her goodbye and you hang up and you're telling everybody you're sorry out loud before you blow your fucking brains out. They don't train you for that. You're alone. You're by yourself. I talk about this shit in post-traumatic purpose in my course. This is the fucking realness that I get down to. And what are you going to do when that moment creeps into your life? And I'm going to tell you, you don't fucking know. I know what I was going to do. I know what I did do. And I know why I didn't do it. But are you going to be able to stop? Are you going to be able to stop yourself? And a lot of us can't. A lot of us are too ashamed, so we go through with it. Because we don't want people to know how badly we're hurting. We don't want people to think about us as weak. We don't want them to think that we can't handle what this job throws at us. So we'd rather eat a bullet than, than reach out and ask for help. So I am encouraging anybody that's listening to this, if you're into the New Year's resolution shit, or you're just into being a better person, Recognize this shit in yourself and fix it. You have time. It's a hell of a climb. But the cool thing is this. Nobody goes up and climbs Everest alone. Everybody has a Sherpa. If you don't know what a Sherpa is, that's a guide. 
and they're usually going up in teams. I've never climbed ever, so I have no desire to do that dumb shit. You can have it. I'm going to take my ice baths. I don't need to climb a mountain to make my dick disappear. I can just get in a fucking cold bath out here. Listen, but there's a team of people climbing that mountain alongside of you and with you. Before I started doing all this, I, I thought I was alone. When I wrote my book, I thought I was the only fucking one. I was actually convinced that I needed to publish that book because I was told it would benefit a lot of people by putting it out there and, and being vulnerable the way that I did. And I was like, man, I don't know. I don't know if there's a lot of people out there like me. I felt so fucking crazy and I felt so alone and just so in the dark and um, so fucked up. And I felt so ashamed. And man, when I put that book out there, create your own light, man, the doors were blown open. The floodgates, the levees broke with people just like me emergency service responders, their families, military, their families. And they're like, Hey man, me too. And that happened to me. And this happened to me and my family. And I'm glad I'm not alone. And that was one of the biggest things people were saying is I'm glad I'm not alone. I would have people, I remember I was in doing some comedy shows and I would have people in the audience that I didn't know were there and family members that read my book and they came up and they're like, I read your book and I, and, and it felt like you were talking about our family. And I was like, Holy Holy shit. That's why I do what I do. That's why I love putting this shit out there. And if you want to make it stop, if we want to make this stop, it takes all of us. A Travis Howells can't make this thing stop. There's, we're always going to have those that slip through the cracks and there's nothing that we're going to be able to do. But we can damn sure make a dent in the fucking numbers. I tell Luke, I tell them people in my class this too. It's not even the suicides. It's not just suicides. Take the suicides out of it. We have an 80% divorce rate in our business. Do you know why? Most people are like, oh, it's the schedule. It has nothing. No, it's not the fucking schedule. It's not. It's the business. It's what we go through on a daily basis that people do not understand and how this job changes you in a very short period of time. Every rookie out there comes into this eyes wide open and 10 years in, they are not the same person five years in two years in, and they're not the same person. It will change you. I had a rookie sitting in a, in a front row of a class I was doing because we do our classes with our spouses, right? Because this is also something that I think is very beneficial for the spouses to learn. Their spouses are our biggest support base with mental health. So why, why would we exclude them? And I looked at this young man, he was on the job six months and he's smiling. He's holding his girlfriend's hand. You can tell they're getting married. They're probably up to their knees and fucking credit like, like young people do, but or debt, excuse me. And I could be wrong. They could be doing fucking fine. I was just trying to make a, a funny statement and it sounded stupid, but listen, I looked at him. I said, you love this job, don't you? He said, yeah. And I looked at her and I said, you love his, you, you love that firefighter sitting next to you, don't you? And she said, yes, sir. And I wanted to be like, God damn, I love your parents because your manners are good. But they were young and you could tell she was proud of her firemen. But I also can look at them and I can fast forward 15, 20 years. If they're still together, she's not proud of her firemen. She probably has a lot of guilt and he has a lot of shame, if not vice versa. 
and a lot of regret and a lot of thinking back on the past. Like, man, if I would have had a crystal ball and could have looked into it before I signed up for this shit, would I have signed up for this shit? Because it looks all great on the outside looking in. This seems like a great profession. And it is if you take care of yourself. I don't live on regrets. But man, if I could go back and change one thing, I'm going to tell you what I would change from day one getting into this business. Would have been therapy. I would have done it however unpopular it was. And I would have done it regularly. And I would have taken care of myself. So I could have actual longevity in in this thing so i could enjoy the greatest job in the fucking world the emergency services and over the years of going to therapy i think I w- my mind would have transitioned from therapy to clarity and it would have allowed me to see and fully embrace and understand who i'd become why i'd become that way and where i was headed And how I could use all those things that had happened to me and throughout my career to help make myself stronger and to help make my brothers and sisters coming up underneath me stronger. But I didn't do that. I used all of those things against me and I I let them hurt me and I let them hurt people behind me and it turned me into a monster. And then I took that shit and I hurt people that I loved. A lot of them. And I almost destroyed my entire life. Because of it. Because I just didn't understand it. Because I was too cool and too strong. And I could shoulder anything. I could carry anything. Remember. A lot of us think we're supermen. Superwomen. But this job will be your kryptonite. It'll be what makes you strong. And it'll be what breaks you fucking down. If you spend enough time in it. And you're exposed to the right things. My ultimate wish was that we could do this business and do this job and every fire we go to is just fun. And every wreck we go to, we're able to pull people out and save them and they could go on to live pain-free lives. And every heart attack that we roll up on and we have to do CPR and, and, and innovate and throw the paddles to, we bring those people back and they go on to become successful people. And every kid that gets hit by a bicycle, you... Or, or on a bicycle that gets hit by a car, you can just miraculously pull them out and and, and touch them and, and put them back on their bike and send them riding home with a, with a lesson learned, not any injuries. But that's not the reality of this business. Most of the time, it's all bad on these calls. At least in my experience. There's not a lot of really wonderful joyous moments that come after emergency calls. There's very few. I tell a story. One of my favorite stories was, uh, I don't know if I talked about this in my book or on another podcast, but one of my favorite stories was the time we, I don't know why I just thought about this. Maybe it's because I'm looking out the window and I'm looking at my tractor right now. When I was a brand new firefighter, there was a man that was on a tractor with a bush hog and he was mowing next to a ditch and I was on a three man engine company. Well, the man ended up somehow in that ditch underneath his tractor and he was drowning in the ditch and he was just his head above the water with his shoulder. And when we got there, he had a pistol in his hand and he was getting ready to shoot himself and we were begging him, to put the weapon down. And he said, I'm not going to drown. 
underneath this fucking tractor. And so I got down in the water with him and I was like, well, you ain't going to fucking drown. So give me the gun. And when and we took the gun from him and we were able to use um, rescue bags, high pressure airbags, lift that tractor up and get that man out. And never saw him again after that. It's not like TV. The people don't very rarely come and seek you out and say, hey, man, thanks for not letting me smoke myself. And I'm not mad at the guy for that. But that was a beautiful moment in my career. That's one. But they don't all turn out like that. There was a funny one where we pulled a we pulled a lady out of a nail salon who was duct taped and they some arsonists set the place on fire. And me and another another fireman, we stumble upon this lady in the back in the storage room. And all I hear is moaning. It was mm, and I looked down and this place was rolling. And I said, is that a person with duct tape on their fucking face? This lady was bound with duct tape. And they wrapped her face in it. And we happened to be standing by the exit door. So we, we bust that exit door open. And it was either go all the way back through the front, through the nail salon, through all the smoke and the heat. And I was like, no. Remember, I'm Superman back in the day now. I'm going to take this lady. I'm in full face piece, all right? And we were in a strip mall. Well, we were in the fucking dead middle. We, we weren't anywhere near the end of the strip mall. And this was a long-ass strip mall. So we take off running. Hang on, there's my coffee cup banging. I'm getting all jacked up telling this story. I don't think I've really told this story that much. This is funny. I'm carrying this lady. And I run the entire length of this strip mall, which is a long strip mall, all the way down the alley in the back, around the side. And now all of our units, our ladder trucks, our ambulance, multiple engine companies out front. I got a runner all the way up there, too. Because this was back in a time where in Charleston, we didn't use radios. <laughs> That's another story. You weren't as a firefighter. I can tell you all some funny stories. Um, as a firefighter back then in Charleston, this is before the Sofa Superstore fire, before all the change came about in Charleston, we were not allowed to really use our radios at all. That was more of like a check in the box, like, hey, we got radios. But you would actually get in trouble as a firefighter if you were communicating on the radio. Radios were for captains only. We, I remember... We were told to stick those in our pocket and just turn them off. <laughs> it's like it was, you didn't use it. So I couldn't call for help around the back because I know a lot of you were listening. Well, why don't you just radio? That's why. So anyway, we run. Um, it's me and this guy named John Cole. We run this lady, this girl, all the way to the front and drop her off at the ambulance. And I'll never forget she had duct tape on her wrist and her, and her feet and around her fucking mouth. And we just drop her off. And I remember, I remember the looks on everybody's faces like, what the fuck? And then we just drop her off and we take off. And the next thing I know, I was up on the roof and that's it. That was, there's, there's no wonderful outcome to that story. There was no thank you. There was no cookies that were brought by the station. There wasn't a documentary made that, you know, that's just how it goes. And you can talk about grabs all day long. I had a few when I was in the, in the business. If you don't know what a grab is, that means when you pull somebody out of a fire, um, but we don't really reflect on those. What we reflect on in the business is the ones you couldn't get. And those are always the ones that I see, right? It's always the people that you couldn't help. And I, I was watching a movie the other night. I didn't say anything. My wife was sitting in there with me. And um, this guy, he was laying there and he, and, he, and he ended up pissing himself. And it took me back to several, a lot of calls where you, you witness that. That's like a real thing. And you just witness somebody's pants just soaking down and it's, or, or they defecate themselves. Um, and I, 
when I was watching that, it, it took me back to one call in particular, and I'm not going to sit here and relive call after call with you guys, but that's the reality of it, right? And what I'm getting back to is how do we stop the suicides in our business? We got to make this stuff more acceptable to be talked about in our communities. And it can't be done lightly. It can't be done. We're hard fucking people, right? Let me, let me put it like this. We're hard ass people and we need to be talked to like hard ass people. We don't need somebody to come in there with a tennis racket and serve up some soft serve bullshit for us. Come in here, tell it to us real, tell it to us raw. Let us leave knowing that it's okay to talk about this shit. Don't just say it. Let us know why it's okay to talk about mental wellness in our business. Let us know that on our days off, if we need fucking help, it's okay for me to call my supervisor and say, hey, bro, hey, hey, sis, I'm, I'm, I'm fucked up today and, and, and I need to talk to you. And can we meet somewhere? And I just, I need to get some shit off my chest. But we don't do that. We keep it. We keep it a fucking dirty little secret. And we bury it away. That's when things will change is when we can stop doing that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of here with this. If I ever call you on your phone, if we become friends enough to where we're talking on the phone regularly, you need to know this one thing about me. Don't ever put me on fucking speakerphone ever. Don't ever answer on speakerphone. Your phone never goes on speakerphone because when I'm talking to you, some bullshit might come out of my face that people can't unhear. And I'm just throwing that out there. Chances are we'll never be like that. Chances are we will never have a relationship like that because this is why I was talking to my friend Randy. You all know Randy now. You know how many people I have in my favorites on my phone? Three. <laughs> three. There's three different people. Four. Excuse me because my sister's in there. Four. That's how many people are in my favorites. And I felt bad about that. I was walking through the field the other day and I was calling Randy and I always go to my favorites to call him because it's easy. And I go, you know, man, I said, dude, I feel like a piece of shit. And I said, does this tell me like you, they always say you can tell a lot about a person by how many people were at their funeral. But can you also tell a lot about a people, a person about how many are in their favorites? Because if I wanted to just call somebody to talk, like I got to go through my phone and find it. And I was like, man, I got nobody in my favorites. Except Randy and my family. That's it. I said, I'm a, I'm a pathetic motherfucker. So I think what I'm going to do to make myself feel better today. I, let me see how many contacts I got. I'll tell you right now how many contacts I got on my phone. How many contacts? Like 400 and something. So today I'm going to put every single buddy, every single person in my favorites. I got people in here. I don't even know who they are anymore. But they're going in my damn favorites. So now I'm going to feel good when I walk through my field. I don't know why I told you all that story. Oh, yeah, I do. The painters, Randy's having his house painted. And he, I guess he answered the phone when I called the other day and he was on speaker. And I said some very, very broke back mountain-esque shit. And I think his painters stopped like in dead stroke with their roller brushes looking at him like, like he was a, like he was a cowboy too. Like he was an undercover broke back mountain 
cowboy because I think maybe one of the painters might have been, and they were like, oh, well, we didn't know, but now that we're here at your your home, you know, we can we can have a scene here. Like, And I think Randy got felt kind of fucking awkward real quick because of what came out of my mouth. I'm not even going to say. We'll leave that for another episode. But, hey, man, thank you all for being here. I hope you all have a great new year. Don't make some bullshit resolutions you can't live up to. All right? Be real with yourself. If you know you're going to fucking quit them, don't even make those resolutions. And I'll tell you how you make make good goals and make achievable goals by making small goals, right? When you you make them so far out of touch, if you're not a, if you're not a person that's accustomed to actually changing a lot, big change is hard change. So I'd like to encourage you. I don't want to talk you off that off if you want to stop smoking, if you want to stop drinking, all right? Don't just do it cold turkey, right? Because that is extremely fucking hard. Or if you can do it, do it. Or if you want to make financial changes in your life, right? The problem is most people can't handle the blows that are associated with change, like when something doesn't work out in their favor. So what you have to do is give yourself little goals. And when you achieve those little goals, then you get a little bit more motivated, right? And then you start, it's just like weightlifting. When you first start out and you start wanting to do bench pressing or squatting, you, you don't go out and say, all right, I'm going to go squat 900 fucking pounds today. You don't, you don't do that. You start out with fucking 50 pounds on each side and you build up from a young man. And then one day, one day you reach your goals. But the, the, here's the thing. You're always moving forward. Always be moving forward towards your goals. I don't ever try to talk somebody out of achieving something. So please don't take that. I don't. I just don't want to see people set, set fucking resolutions and not meet them. I want all of you, if you set a resolution, I want you to fucking meet it and I want you to crush it and I want you to knock it out of the fucking park. But be realistic when you set your goals and have little goals along the way and set little stones, little stepping stone goals on the path to help you achieve your big goal. Now, having said that, go fucking get them and y'all crush this week. See y'all later.